Good morning, church. Good morning, church. I've missed you the last couple of weeks. Well, thank you. I was wondering if anybody was going to say they missed me. So, yeah. Cindy, who preached, said that we, we, we missed you. Yeah. I want to begin by telling you a story that took place several years ago. I had the opportunity to help lead a group of 50 individuals to the Holy Land. Um, it was an incredible experience of walking the paths of Jesus. The day that we were in Jerusalem, we were very careful in our instructions with the group, saying that we, they needed to stay with the group. The, the, the streets are very narrow there. They're crowded. There's no signs. If you don't know where you're going, then you're not going to be able to get there. Keep up with the group. It is not good to travel by yourself in Jerusalem, particularly in that particular day, which there was a lot of turmoil and, and, and violence that was taking place in the area. Well, sure enough, trying to keep everybody together was impossible. On the day that we went to the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, which is the church that's built over the place of Jesus' crucifixion and his burial, incredible experience, when we got back to the Sheepsgate to, to get on the tour bus to go to lunch, we discovered that our most elderly member who loved to take pictures was missing. We panicked. How could this happen? How in the world could we let, could we let this lady who, who needed us more than anyone else wander away? We put our heads together. There were five of us who were ministers that were leading and decided that two of us would stay behind and retrace the steps. I would lead the group to the lunch location, and we worked out some communication on how we would connect uh, when and if this lady was found. Got the people on the bus. We traveled over to the restaurant. And <laughs> we walked in the door. There was Mildred waiting on us. <laughs> and she said... You're late. <laughs> and I said to her, I said, Mildred, we've been looking for you. What happened was is that she did get separated, realized that she was separated, panicked, began to cry, got distraught, and a young man walked up to her and said, can I help you? And she explained to him what her situation. He offered to use his car to bring her to this location. She was a little scared about that. And so from the schedule that she had, he took her over to a taxi station, paid for the cab, and made sure that the man understood exactly where she needed to be. And then <clears throat> he went back <clears throat> and, and was looking for, for some American men that might be looking for this lady, <laughs> found them and told them that the lady named Mildred was already at the restaurant. <laughs> the events of that day are still told in those five churches that participated in that event. For those of us who lived through the chaos and fear of that day, we saw it kind of as a, of an outpouring of God's grace. 
while we were asking the questions, how could this happen? What did we do wrong? Why did this happen to us? And why Mildred, of all people? We kept looking back. How could we have done it differently? While all along, God was in the midst of it to provide something new. God was already there, already there taking care of us while we didn't even know about it. This morning, on this second Sunday of Advent, as we look at the message of peace, and from the passage you heard, it doesn't sound like a peaceful passage. That's what I want to talk about this morning. The new thing that God is doing among us. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. May these words be your words. And Lord God, for all the words that I don't speak, that you would have me speak. Fill in the gaps, God. That in spite of me, your word may be preached today. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In those days, says Matthew, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, I don't know about you, but Christmas has snuck up on me this year. Does anybody else got, you know, usually, usually we're getting so pounded by Christmas way back at, at Halloween. By now, we're sick of it. But this year, it's been different. It's, it's everything is turned upside down. Are the kids going to stay in school or are they going to be at home? And, and what's the real story with our economy? Am I going to have a job when all this is over with? And what about the national election? Is it ever going to be over? And when will the COVID-19 vaccine be available? And who ever thought that double knee replacement was a good idea? <laughs> right? You know, normally this time of year brings its own stress. In fact, according to the National Institute of Health, Christmas is a time of year when people report a higher occurrence of depression and anxiety and general sadness. And, and what they say is that the underlying cause of this depression and anxiety is that, number one, there's less sunlight. Um, we have unrealistic expectations that we put on ourselves about the holiday seasons. There's financial pressure. There's excessive commercialization and the pressure to buy, 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 and spend, 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 which then causes financial stress. And the other thing the report said is that there is an increased pressure on people to be perfect during the holiday season. Hmm. Now, I, I don't know about you, but for me, 
those normal stresses of Christmas are being multiplied a hundred times over by what's going on in our society. It's like there is this extra pressure cooker that we're, that we're existing in today. Fear, anxiety, our routines have been, have been disturbed, our lives have been uprooted. So, what's the deal? Here we are, overwhelmed, in need of some peace and assurance, and the pastor preaches from the words of John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at near. And then you get this long line of judgments. Does that bring peace to anybody in the room today? Anybody? We need peace. We need assurance. We need confidence. I'm feeling at the end of my rope. I don't know about you. And how in the world can this message from John the Baptist bring any kind of peace for any of us? Especially when we're separated from our usual routine and kind of lost our way looking for some help. Now, what I'm going to suggest to you today is that this reading is actually just what we need. It is exactly what we need. Because the message of John the Baptist is, is a part of the Christmas message. It is John the Baptist who proclaims the coming of, of Jesus It is John the Baptist who says, prepare the way of the Lord. It is is John the Baptist that sets the stage for the coming of this new thing from God. So I think it's just what we need. We need that assurance, that confidence from God, that God knows what God is doing. Now, I just want to be clear right up front that John the Baptist was a weird guy. (laughs) All four Gospels tell us the story of John the Baptist. All four of them. And it's almost exactly the same. He's out, you know, muddy, dressed in furs, baptizing people in the River Jordan, ranting and raving, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, Repent, repent, repent. We know from the scriptures that John was a cousin of Jesus. They were just a little bit different in age. We know that John the Baptist appears first, and then Jesus in the fulfillment of the prophecy of John. But John is kind of like this relative, you know? You know the relative that you have to invite to Christmas, but you kind of wonder what they're going to pull this year. What are they really going to bring? And are they going to dominate the conversation like they do every year? Is that relative that we've been avoiding...
The hint of what John is talking about comes from Isaiah. You heard it in the Advent reading. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. A shoot shall come forth from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You know, John the Baptist is important because he, he really is in the line of, of all the prophets. Although he doesn't call himself a prophet, John uh, dresses like Elijah, he sounds like Isaiah, and he's preaching those same words of repentance that we often miss and misunderstand. But if we take a look at the passage from Isaiah, we begin to kind of get a hint of what John is getting to. A shoot that shall grow forth from the stump of Jesse. In other words, what John is saying here is from the tradition of Isaiah is that God is bringing some new life to those things that are dead. From those things that have been cut down. From those things that we expect nothing from any longer. That from that place, we shall see new life. In those places in our life, we will see new things begin to grow and come forth. This is the message that, that comes out of Christmas, that Jesus is not, not just some, some kind of romantic uh, expression of shepherds and wise men and, and, and donkeys and sheep. But Jesus is bringing something new to our lives. Jesus is bringing hope to the most desperate situations. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. You see, the problem in our culture is that we confuse the word repent with confess. We confuse repent and confession. Because John's message is much more than confession. John may look like the prophets of old. He may sound like the prophets of old. But his message is distinctively different. When he says repent, he uses the word montaneo. And Mataneo, translated repent, is equated in our language with an apology. That's not what John's talking about at all. More fully, Mataneo means changes one's mind or direction. Changes one's mind or direction. And, and the word is the combination of two Greek words, meta, which means to change after being with or having an experience, and to think. In other words, some event, some experience has happened, and we no longer see the world the same anymore. The world is different now. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at near. You know, the prophetic uh, message is, uh, it's, it's kind of an equation of sorts. It's an if-then equation. From, uh, uh, from Isaiah to Ezekiel to, 
to, to Joel. It it's basically goes like this very shortly. Shape up or else. Anybody agree with that? Anybody read the Old Testament lately? Shape up or else. Shape up or pay the price. That's not what John's saying. But it is easy to get confused. Because John doesn't say, repent or the kingdom of heaven will come near. That would be within that old prophetic tradition which would be uh, an if-then statement. It would be something to be feared, something um, that, that if we don't do what needs to be done, then the consequences and the judgment of the kingdom of heaven will come upon us. Neither does John say, repent and the kingdom of heaven would come near. Now, in this particular case, if we were to, to put it in that context, it would be if you repent, if you do what you're supposed to do, if you make the right kind of changes, then God's going to bless you. It's that, you know, kind of uh, health and wealth theology, prosperity theology that views the Bible as a contract between us and God. And if we do the right thing, if we pray the right words then all the right things are going to happen with us. But that's not what John is saying either. Instead, what John is saying is something new is coming. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, change your mind, change your purpose, change your direction. Because God is bringing something so incredible that we don't want to admit, miss it by continuing down the same path. Because this Jesus, this King of kings and lords of lords is coming. And when the kingdom of heaven comes with this Jesus, nothing will ever be the same again. And we can be ready to choose it if we want to or not but it's coming. It is coming. Now, I want to be clear here. There is judgment in this passage. If you read on down, there's a pretty heavy judgment statement there about the consequences. And, and, and so, in, so what is John trying to say to us? What I believe is that if we miss the Christ, if we miss the new life that Jesus is offering to us through Jesus Christ, there are consequences to this life and judgment that is a part of this life that will fall upon us. It is only through the new life of Jesus Christ. It is only through the presence of Jesus Christ. It is only through the acceptance of Jesus as Lord and Savior that our sins can be forgiven and we can be made new and whole again. And there is nothing in this day, no COVID-19, no economy, no election, nothing that shall stand in the way of the ways of God.
nothing. John's message is a message of of peace and hope. It's good news for those of us who are struggling with the Christmas of 2020. It's good news for anyone who's tried to meet the expectations and requirements of these demanding days. It's good news for those of us who have fallen short who find ourselves lacking. So many of us are caught in the old game of what if, what if, and we've come up short. But John says if we but just think and see differently, if we but just repent and open our eyes to what God has for us, that life will never be the same again. Life will never be the same again. Repent. Change the way we look at things. Look for the coming of Jesus in every circumstance because the kingdom of heaven is here right at our doorstep. That's why at First Methodist uh, Carrollton, we, we try to emphasize those opportunities to bring us close to Jesus. Our, our midweek core groups are focused around bringing people together in such a way that they have the opportunity to experience Christ in a more intimate way through our, through our lives together. That's why we have Sunday morning opportunities for adults and children and youth. That's why we, we've started the emphasis on emotionally healthy spirituality in the spring and the fall is to help people to come, come into a, a real intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And to know that this life doesn't have to be this way. God has so much more in store for us. God wants so much more for us. When we see Jesus, repentance, thinking and seeing differently is just the next step. Because in seeing Jesus, we know that life is not defined by the things of this world, but by the things of God. You know, Jesus is the balm that heals our holiday blues better than any batch of cookies or office party. Jesus is the peace that quiets our anxiety. Jesus is the one that comes to us in Jerusalem when we are desperately lost. And God is still there working and moving among those we, had, we never even knew to bring something new to us. So let's not avoid these words. Let's not avoid the words repent. Instead, let us embrace them. Let us say, yes, Lord. Help me to see differently. Yes, Lord. Help me to think differently. 
Yes, Lord, help me to see you differently. Yes, Lord, help me to see this life differently that I might be different and that my relationships, my job, my family, and all that is, that is me will be different. John brings a marvelous gift an opportunity to reset and repent, to think different, to look for something new and exciting. For friends, Jesus is here. Do you hear me? Jesus is here. Are we ready?